Chilson Motors with Gene Chilson, our sponsors of our Wax Farm Show podcast. At Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott and Chilson Chrysler Dodge, Jeep and Ram, we have an excellent selection of certified pre-owned Ram models to choose from. Purchase a certified Ram and receive our 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty and its factory-backed coverage from Ram. A certified Ram offers a great deal of confidence and peace of mind with a 7-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And we now have a great selection in stock and ready for immediate delivery. And ready to get those farm chores done. Absolutely. To see all the models, call, click, or visit Chilson's Corner Motors of Cadott on the corner of Highway 27 and X or Chilson Chrysler Dodge on Business Highway 53 or visit us on the web at chilson.com. And remember, let our family take care of your family. Hey, did you know Bluff Country is located in Mondovi? And it's your locally owned hometown feed and seed supplier. Whether it's your pet or your business, they have the products and service that you need. They even offer agronomy services from seed to fertilizers and chemicals and even feed and forage sampling. Bluff Country Feed and Seed is your hometown feed and seed supplier. To learn more about Bluff Country, check out their website at bluffcountryfs.com. It's the Wax Midwest Farm Report podcast with Joe Welke, Kristen Smith, and me, Bob Bosold. Friday morning at Wax as we uh, get started with the Labor Day weekend. Hopefully you'll get a chance to uh, get together with family or take a little time off to enjoy this beautiful Labor Day weather. Maybe Maybe haying is a holiday for you, but uh, good haying weather continues. Maybe some chances of showers moving through later on today and tonight, but that's the only chance of rain we got through the end of next week. So again, it's a, a lot of sunshine out there and some pretty nice temperatures. We'll talk about that as we go along on this Friday morning. Chore time at the Shank of the Day on Wax. Bob and Jill with you this morning, as always. And uh, what do you got planned for the weekend? I've got a lot of flexibility. Oh, you do? I do. So it means you're not going to get a whole lot done. You told me you might have to go and process a few chickens, huh? I might. I should, but <laughs> I don't think I will. <laughs> I'm thinking the boat needs to get wet this That's weekend. That's not a bad idea. Go get the boat wet and get a line wet and enjoy it because it is going to be nice. We're going to talk uh, this morning. We're going to hear a conversation with the new... Uh, Department of Public Instruction, FFA consultant. Remember, we lost Jeff Hicken here, uh, what, well, a year and a half ago already. Sally Ladston has taken over that position with DPI, and schools are back in session now. And so we'll hear what uh, what it looks like at DPI for agriculture instruction. And uh, speaking of schools, uh, Jill and I were both at school yesterday. Where'd you go? I went to Lake Holcomb. And uh, the FFA program? It's up and running. All right, and that'll be on next Saturday. Correct. I was in Plum City and uh, found out that two young ladies are going to be taking over the FFA program as advisors now. And so we talked to uh, one of those, uh, and I'm uh, uh, Jochum, and I'm, oh, I'm going to... Chandler. Chandler Jochum, thank you. I was going to say Charity, and uh, Cora Fox, two young lady now 
One's a, a math teacher, and uh, they are taking over FFA. Chandler has a background in rodeo and horses and got a lot of things planned. So that FFA will be on tomorrow morning, and we'll have that on the air so we can catch up with the activities of Plum City. The kids are really excited to get to this program back up and uh, really enforce they're looking to go to conventions national convention they haven't been to state or national convention for the past three four five years and so they are really looking to uh, energize this ffa program at plum city once again so uh, it was good to be down there and the one thing i said how do you like being in school it's too hot. <laughs> so kids are kids. That's the same thing I would have said if I was back in school. So, again, uh, we hope the kids uh, have a, a great year in the classroom and are excited to be back in the classroom. And uh, that prompts our conversation with Sally Ladston from DPI coming up later this morning. And Brent, he'll be in. We'll get an update on the crops on our uh, Winfield United Covering the Crops program with Brent Wink this morning. It's a busy Friday at Wax. Agriculture. It's a Wisconsin way of life. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Well, let's take a look at what we've got as far as our weather is concerned. Because it is going to be another summer-like day in September. 88 to high today, partly cloudy. It'll be breezy again today. And later today into tonight, the chances of some showers moving through the area as it drops off to about 59 overnight. Once those showers are done, there's no rain in this forecast for quite a while. Saturday, Sunday, sunny, 74. Monday, partly cloudy, 76. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, it looks like pretty much full sun Upper 70s to lower 80s. It's summertime in Wisconsin. 68 degrees right now here in the Chippewa Valley. WAXXO Claire, how about some Friday morning news? NBC News Radio, I'm Mark Mayfield. President Biden says America is at an inflection point. We need everyone to do their part. So speak up, speak out, get engaged, vote. Vote! Vote! Speaking at Philadelphia's Independence Hall, Biden said the country is at one of those moments that determine the shape of everything that's to come after. He said America must choose whether to move forward or backwards when it comes to MAGA Republicans, saying they do not believe in the rule of law or recognize the will of the people, while attempting to undermine the results of the 2020 election. Republicans are tearing into President Biden over his primetime speech on Thursday night. In a speech from Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Biden portrayed former President Donald Trump and his supporters as a threat to democracy. Tennessee GOP Congressman Mark Green tweeted, Divider-in-chief at his finest tonight. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, a strong Trump supporter, tweeted, Stop lecturing and change your policies before it's too late. September is National Suicide Awareness Month. Brian Shook reports. As always, at any time, if you or someone you know is experiencing a mental health crisis, help can be found around the clock by calling or texting 988. People can also chat on the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988lifeline.org. Suicide is one of the top 10 leading causes of death in the United States as of 2020 and is the second leading cause of death among Americans ages 10 to 34. I'm Brian Shook. And residents of Jackson, Mississippi, still have little to no running water. Authorities are scrambling to fix issues at a water treatment plant that's needed maintenance for decades. Now, five days after the plant initially failed, residents are being told to shower with their mouths closed and only drink boiled tap water as a last resort. 
Governor Tate Reeves isn't sure when 150,000 residents can expect to have consistent running water, saying there will be future interruptions. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Hi, this is Congressman Tom Tiffany. Headlines of potential food shortages around the globe have reminded us about the importance of food security right here at home. Instead of maximizing our ability to produce the food the world desperately needs, some of our farmland is being replaced with intermittent solar panels and wind arrays. Taking prime farmland out of production undermines our rural communities and poses a long-term threat to food security. That's why I introduced the Future Agriculture Retention and Management Act, or Farm Act for short. The bill would eliminate the energy tax subsidies that help finance the siting of solar panels and wind arrays on agricultural lands. We must protect family farms for future generations, and this legislation will help do just that. My Wausau office is always available to hear your thoughts or help you with federal agencies. Give them a call today at 715-298-9344. Paid for by official funds authorized by the United States House of Representatives. The first voice of agriculture in Wisconsin for over 35 years. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. And uh, that voice is going to give you a little weather update right now. And again, if you've uh, got some hay down, uh, you might want to get it up today because there's a chance of some showers. And again, it's widespread showers. We'll try and pinpoint that a little bit later on with Mike Dandria. But I know there's a lot of hay down and a lot of hay was going up yesterday as I was driving down to Plum City and back, but again, a partly cloudy day today, and it will be breezy, so it's going to be good for drying that hay as well. 88 the high today, but again, that chance of showers later on in the day and into the evening. Tonight, down to about 59. Sun tomorrow and Sunday, mid-70s. Monday, Labor Day, partly cloudy, 76. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of next week, right now, they're saying Full sunshine, upper 70s to low to mid-80s. So uh, still summertime here in Wisconsin, and boy, oh boy, not not the kind of weather the kids want going back to school, but it is what it is. 69 in Rice Lake and My- or Rice Lake and Wausau this morning. In Medford at 66, Marshfield 64, Lacrosse 71, Green Bay 73, Madison Sun Prairie at 72 degrees on this Friday morning, Milwaukee at 73, and a very pleasant 68 degrees right now in the Chippewa Valley. Farm markets are brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. All business owners want the same thing, to make their business succeed. At Rural Mutual, they help that happen. As the third largest writer of commercial business in Wisconsin, they take the time to learn your business so they can properly protect you. Call your local agent today or visit RuralMutual.com. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. It is market time, brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. And, of course, this is Labor Day weekend, and we did some checking. And, uh, Jill, you, the Board of Trade will close early today. Board of Trade is closing early today, and they're closed on Monday. All right. And, of course, sale barns will be closed on Monday. They will later in the day be open for accepting your livestock for the Tuesday sales around the area. 
But again, Monday is Labor Day, and that is a holiday. So let's wrap up the markets uh, for the week. And the livestock, what do we got, Jill? Choice fed beef steers are 136 to 148, with mixed at 120 to 135. Choice fed beef heifers are 137 to 147, with mixed at 119 to 136. Choice fed Holstein steers are 132 to 140, with select and silage fed 90 to 130. Cows are 74 to 96. Bulls are 80 to 105. Butcher hogs are 91 to 109, with sows at 60 to 75, and boars at 25 to 27. New crop market lambs are 96 to 110, and feeder lambs are 130 to $2. At the Mercantile Exchange, live cattle were mixed. October closed at 142.80. That was up 22. December live cattle, 148.57 up a dime. February, 153.15. That was down 17. And April live cattle unchanged at 157.27. Feeder cattle were higher. September at 183.15. That was up 70 cents. October at 184.35, up 87. November 185.70, up a dollar 17. January feeder cattle 186.40, up a dollar 27. And March up a dollar 35, closing at 188.27. Lean hog carcass contracts were mixed. The October contract was forty-two cents higher at ninety-one ninety-five. December down a dime at eighty-three seventy-seven. February hogs eighty-seven fifty-five down twenty-five. And April at ninety-one sixty-seven down twenty cents. And on the board of trade, continue the board continues to be under a lot of pressure. Economic worries, of course. Uh, China with COVID has another lockdown in a major city. Stronger dollar and prices under pressure yesterday, closing lower. The one commodity that uh, has been lower this week, that's a good thing. October crude oil yesterday down another $3.15 a barrel, sitting now at eighty six forty. That's down well over $10 in the last three or four days of trading. So again, Crude oil going in the right direction, down three fifteen a barrel at eighty six forty. Well, on the board of trade after a lower day yesterday, December corn overnight up four cents at six sixty two. The oats down three at three seventy three. December wheat up twelve at eight oh seven. November soybeans up eleven overnight, but at fourteen oh six. And soybean meal for October up two fifty a ton at four hundred twenty five dollars and ten cents. Barrel cheese traded unchanged at dollar eighty five. The blocks up a penny at one seventy three and a half, and butter up three and three quarters at three oh nine and a quarter. Class three prices continue to struggle. We've seen that market go down pretty much all week. September down another four cents yesterday at nineteen fifty nine. October class three. Down 37 at 1952. November down 47 at 2024. December class 3 down 31 cents at 2055. January down 14 at 2046 as prices were lower through July. So that's a look at uh, where we are as far as our markets are concerned. Brought to you by Rural Mutual Insurance. Again, uh, if you're into the markets, Don't forget, they'll be closing about noon today and will be closed on Monday, opening up again on Monday night. Sale barn activity also will be uh, slowing down uh, as we only have receiving livestock on Monday, and that's going to be pretty much later in the afternoon and evening on Monday. So, again, it's uh, the last big holiday of the summer, and, boy, the weather, again, looks good. 
Labor Day, 76, partly cloudy. Saturday and Sunday, full sunshine. Temperatures in the 70s. We'll tell you about some of the things going on around the area. 14 minutes after 5 o'clock, we'll get to some of our news coming up because we got things to look at. Lots of numbers to pass along. For those who work in acres, not in hours, Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Quarter after five on a Friday morning at Wax, Brent Wink is on the way. We'll have Brent on the air with us in a little bit. And also, of course, as we told you earlier, Sally Ladston, we're going to hear from her. She's the new Department of Public Instruction FFA consultant. She takes over after the untimely loss of uh, Jeff Hicken here a year or two ago. And uh, what's going on at DPI with uh, not only FFA, but uh, agricultural curriculum at DPI. But uh, lots of numbers, Jill, in our farm news. The U.S. US Department of Agriculture has released final prices for July farm production. The U.S. all-milk price was $25.70, and that was $1.40 more higher than Wisconsin's July all-milk price of $24.30. And that was $1.40. 90 below our June all milk price, but $6.40 more than last year. The highest all milk price in the country in July was in Florida, where the price reached $30.90 a hundred. The lowest July all milk price was in New Mexico, where it was $23.70, followed closely by Minnesota's July price of $23.80. That report also included. July prices for other commodities across the state. For corn, the average July price was $6.75 a bushel, 30 cents below the June price, but 71 cents more than last July. Soybeans averaged $15.20 a bushel, 90 cents below the June price, but a dollar more than a year ago. The average oat price in July was $5.06 a bushel, 25 cents less than June, but a dollar 91 more than last July. Hay prices were lower in July, averaging $132 a ton for all hay, $12 below June, and $22 less than last July. Alfalfa hay brought $144 a ton in July, $6 less than June, and $28 below the price last July. Most livestock prices were up compared to both June and last July. The biggest price difference was for eggs. The average price this past July was $2.61 a dozen compared to $1.90 in June and around a dollar dozen one year ago. And you're going to butcher chickens? Those eggs are valuable that you sell. These are meat birds. Oh, these are meat birds. Yes, okay. they've got a lot of meat on them. Well, that's good. If they're meat <laughs> birds, it's good to have a lot of meat on them. And uh, also, as we talk about the markets, we've been looking at the... Uh, Class 3 prices going down, and Class 3, of course, is uh, cheese milk. And the, the butter price going up. Butter, 309 and a quarter, up three and three quarters. But as far as milk and dairy markets, for uh, reports from uh, Daily Dairy Report, just for the 314.4 million pounds of butter in cold storage at the end of July, 5.4% less than a year ago, and the lowest midsummer total since 2017. And butter production is always uh, scant, as they say, in the summer. But it was especially so this year. Cream multiples are sky high, pushing butter fat to other uses. And the fall baking season looms large. 
And again, the prices have been up on the Board of Trade. In contrast, the cheese market is weighed down with oversupply. There were 1.52 billion pounds of cheese in the refrigerated warehouses on July 31st. The largest stockpile ever. Cheese inventories were 5.1% greater than the already ample volumes of a year ago. Meanwhile, cheese output remains strong as high freight keeps milk close to home and domestic demand steady to lower. So again, there are reasons that these markets are moving in the directions they are, why butter is so high and uh, cheese milk is under some pressure. And we'll hear from the uh, new DPI consultant on agricultural education coming up. But again, you want some good cheese? Here's a place to get it. The crack of dawn never sounded so good. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. For the most part, school is back in session. Whether you're at the northern end or the southern end of the world's longest barn, I'm Bob Bosel at the northern end. As again, classes are back in session as FFA chapters are getting organized. Ag teachers are getting their classes put together. And Charity, the leader of the program at the Department of Public Instruction, is uh, kind of learning on the job. She's taken over and uh, has a lot of work to do. That's right, Bob. School is in session for some, and we'll be back in full swing here sooner than we can probably imagine for most. While kids are going through some big changes, so are the teachers. This is is a nationwide crisis for filling empty agricultural education positions across school districts. However, the demand for agriculture teachers continues to grow. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. There have been just over 50 teacher changes this year, and there are still positions that need to be filled. Sally Ladson, education consultant with DPI, shares more on how those agriculture teacher numbers are looking for the fall and different licensing licensing options to help fill these vacancies. Throughout this past year, we've had just over 50 teacher changes. A lot of the teacher changes happen because a teacher in a current school applies for an opening and then they move to that position creating an opening in their district. And so it's like that domino effect where one position opens and it creates a ripple effect with others. But some of those positions have been new positions that were created. We're seeing quite a few schools that are looking for different types of career and technical education teachers and looking for ways to fill some of those roles. And so I know there are a few positions that initially started looking for a tech ed teacher, weren't able to find a tech ed teacher so the district said, are there ways that we could transition these classes into agriculture classes and hire an agriculture teacher instead? So we're seeing some growth in numbers just in that perspective, not necessarily growing the number of total teachers in the state, but specifically the number of agriculture teachers in the state. Right now, we have nine positions still waiting to have a teacher fill them. A lot of our positions have fortunately been filled through some different types of pathways to licensure. So you kind of already touched on my next question. How does hiring work? People who necessarily haven't graduated with an agriculture education degree are still being hired. So can you explain more about how that's possible? There's a variety of pathways to licensure that we have available to us. And in particular, because we're such a high demand area, those pathways are a little bit broader than some other teaching positions might have. Obviously, there's the traditional licensure 
structure where individuals can go to a four-year university to obtain a major in agricultural education, and that's the pretty standard route that we'll see people take. But we've got a variety of other license options, too, some that have become more relevant in the last few years. An emergency license where individuals can get a one-year license from a school district as they're obtaining the credentials needed to get that more permanent type of license. And then we also have something called an experience-based license, which is a process where a school district can utilize a point system that looks at both an individual's experience in the industry of agriculture, as well as their knowledge and experience in a classroom type setting. And so individuals who haven't gone a traditional route or maybe aren't doing that emergency type of pathway are able to go through this route with a school district sponsoring them, showcasing their plan of action to ensure that that individual is getting the correct preparation and training that they need to not only understand the science of teaching and the art of teaching, but also what that looks like in an agriculture setting. And so that offers some really cool opportunities for us at DPI in looking at how we can support those teachers and making sure that they have everything that they need along that route, but recognizing too that a lot of what they need for preparation is coming from the school district end and the school district is really putting together that plan of what's needed to get that individual to the point of being ready to teach. And so when we talk about those experience-based licensure, I would say from what I'm seeing so far, that seems to be like a pretty quick growing pathway to licensure. And for a lot of people that can take on different varieties of types of professional development. Some of the people that we're seeing come back into the classroom, though, are folks that maybe went to school for agricultural education initially, and maybe they changed plans partway through school, or some of them even honestly graduated with an agricultural education degree, but maybe didn't fulfill the requirements to become a licensed teacher. And so now they're finding alternate routes into the classroom through this type of option where they've got a lot of the background and experience needed and now they're finding this unique way into a licensure process so that they can have the licensure they need and fortunately for us they've got a lot of that background and training already done and so the school district's training for them looks a little bit different than someone who maybe didn't go to school for agricultural education and maybe was an agricultural business major or what whatever you might be thinking of or working in the industry in a different type of career and so their type of training is going to look a little bit different and probably more classroom focused. It really has a lot of variety depending on the school district and the individual's needs in terms of getting them ready to teach. How are the teachers being prepared to teach Common Core standards? Is that through their relationship with their own schools or is that through your relationship with DPI? So a lot of the training for standards is going to come through a teacher preparation program for teachers going through a traditional route, but then school districts will also work with teachers on what that looks like. We're actually just going through a standards revision process right now with the agriculture standards. And so we did a survey to get some feedback from the field to determine if a revision was needed with the state agriculture standards. And so we're actually going to a committee to decide whether we indeed need to revise standards or if we keep the standards the way they are. And so those are the agriculture specific standards. And that's what I most closely work with when I'm working with individuals. And so, for example, at our fall in services this year, we'll be talking about standards and different ways to incorporate those standards into the classroom. And it's not necessarily a training of this is what we have to do, but I like to think of it as more of a best practice. So hearing from other teachers around the state and what their curriculum looks like and how they implement the standards in different and unique ways. And then from my perspective, being able to showcase what that looks like at a state level and highlighting some of those best practices and also trying to coach folks into ways that they can incorporate the standards into the work that they're doing. Why do you think there is a shortage of agriculture teachers? What do you think is causing it that you're seeing? I think there's a variety of 
of reasons that we're seeing the shortage. Quite frankly, I think education in general is starting to see a shortage. We've known that agricultural education has had a shortage for a long time, but we're starting to see other areas approaching those need levels as well. And I think part of it is just really the time that it takes to put into a classroom and get it to the level that we want it to be. In agricultural education, we talk about the three-component model. And so those three components are the classroom instruction, leadership development through the National FFA organization, and then work-based learning or hands-on learning through their supervised agricultural experiences. And so when we think about that three-component model, in Ag Ed, we are really proud of that model and the strength that it has in enforcing different concepts for students. But we also recognize the amount of time and dedication that that takes on the teacher's end because their work isn't ending at the end of the classroom day or at the end of their grading period or whatever it might be. That work continues on into the weekends, into the summers, things like that. And so we see a lot of time that goes into that. And the level of connection that individuals have with their students can sometimes also bring on an extra level of work and responsibility that people have. And so looking at that, it's, I think, coming down to a major decision on individuals' parts of what the work-life balance looks like. And I think as a state agency, I know one of my primary goals is trying to find ways to support teachers and take things off of their plates to make their workload a little bit more manageable and easier. But also I know through the state of Wisconsin, we have a really awesome agricultural education group called our Wisconsin Association of Agricultural Educators, and they're doing the same thing of trying to find ways to support teachers and take things off of their plates. And so I think we recognize that It's hard to be a teacher right now. It's really hard to be an agriculture teacher right now. But I know at a department level in particular, we're doing everything that we can to try and make it a little bit easier and finding ways for teachers to have the support that they need in order to ensure that they can be successful as as long as they want to stay in the classroom. How are agriculture education classes looking compared to past years? Do you have any numbers or can you talk about the trends of what you're seeing of students actually taking them or the number of classes being offered? So... I can speak a little bit more qualitatively on this. Um, Quantitatively, we're seeing some trends emerge, but the data right now that we're getting is from during the pandemic. And so it's hard to base our trends on that time because classrooms looked so different during the pandemic. And oftentimes, especially with agricultural education, because of it being a non-required class that sometimes looked different for students. And so Our numbers looked a little bit different during that time, and we're starting to just now see what those numbers look like post-pandemic. So I don't have a lot of quantitative data that I can really use as reliable data at this point, just because the pandemic really changed things. But from a qualitative perspective, I'm hearing from a lot of teachers that programs are growing. I mean, we're even seeing some new positions being added. And so we're not just new programs being added, but a second teacher or a third teacher. And so that's telling us that there is a demand for agricultural education. Students are really interested. And what I'm seeing is some of the biggest shift in what is actually occurring in the classroom is really what that content looks like. And again, things going on in agricultural education in Wisconsin challenges. Teachers need support. I don't care if they're teaching ag or anything else. Teachers have come under a, a lot of scrutiny, and I don't. I think in many cases unjustified, but uh, Sally Ladston is the new Department of Public Instruction FFA consultant. She knows FFA. She was a, a past state officer, and uh, she'll do a, a good job taking over for the late Jeff Hicken. We've got weather. We've got news. It's a Friday morning at WAX. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount at any time. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. 
And we've got weather, but before we do that, let's get some news this morning. Morgan McCarthy has the latest on what's going on. And Morgan, what's happening around the area on Friday morning? Today, we'll start with headlines that keep us in our state, and there was no hearing for a 14-year-old accused of killing a Chippewa Falls girl. A teen yesterday waived his right to a hearing in Lily Peters' murder as he's facing adult charges, but his lawyers are pushing to move the case to juvenile court. The teen has not been identified in court, but a number of reports say he is Peters' cousin. Continuing in the courts in another part of our state, it's a guilty verdict in Monroe County's axe murder as the gavel drops, and a jury yesterday found 38-year-old Thomas Apsiter of Sparta guilty of killing his grandfather with an axe last june he told the jury he attacked his grandfather because his grandfather punched him in the face but prosecutors say he killed him and wounded two others in a blind rage Epsiter's looking at mandatory life sentence looking at other headlines questions are loading about internet projects in our state a new state audit says there are questions about where the state's broadband money was actually spent. The Legislative Audit Bureau released its report yesterday. Auditors say the state's Public Health Commission didn't track just how much Internet companies actually spent to expand broadband services across our state. Auditors also say there was no documentation to prove the work was actually done. In all, the Public Service Commission gave Internet companies over $100 million in coronavirus stimulus money to work on those broadband projects over the past couple of years. State prosecutors are bringing voter fraud charges against the Racine County man who says he committed voter fraud to prove a point. With 715 Newsroom coverage, John DeMaster brings us more. The state's Department of Justice yesterday filed formal charges against Harry Waite. Waite admitted asking for Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and Racine Mayor Corey Mason's ballot before the August primary. He says he wanted to show how easy it is to commit voter fraud in the state's My Vote system. Wisconsin's Attorney General said the charges show that his office is serious about election integrity. I'm John DeMaster. And grab a reclining chair at Micon Cinemas, and uh, that buttery popcorn counts for lunch and possibly supper if you get in a big enough bucket. September 3rd is National Cinema Day. But I do think this promotion is going to remind a lot of people that going to the movies is as fun today as it was in 2019. And we roll the credits on the news, but we open the curtains to the big show and send it back to the barn with Bob, Jill, and the Midwest Farm Show on Wax 104.5. Thank you, Morgan. Still no tomatoes from Morgan, though, as far as my BLT is concerned, so I guess I'll hold off. Well, they got the farmer's market tomorrow down in Eau Claire. I assume they're going to have it. I'll have to go down there and buy my tomatoes now. I'm kind of cheap. When somebody's going to give me tomatoes, I kind of wait. Well, and I brought you bacon, so you I brought mean... me bacon and you brought me peaches. But I'm—I know that's what I said. I've got the bacon. You brought me some bacon, but uh, I'm waiting for Morgan's tomatoes, and hasn't happened yet. Well, let's see. I think the farmer's market will be pretty good tomorrow morning, and I think a lot of things will be pretty good. We got a little, I don't want to say hitch in the get-along because a few showers don't hurt anything. A lot of hay down. Let's find out. Mike Dandry is over there in the Skywarn 13 weather room this morning. Morning, Mike. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm doing well. Man, oh, man, I'll tell you, it was warm yesterday. Mm-hmm. Warm. I'm not complaining because a lot of people, and I always tell people, oh, tell me that in January. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, but, uh, boy, it's, I, and I looked at your forecast at least through next Thursday, outside of a few showers later on today. There's there's not much out there for moisture, is there? No, and uh, I mean, thankfully that we had that rain that we had this weekend, and that helped give a little bit of relief to that drought. I don't think any area has a D2 drought across western Wisconsin anymore. A few areas to the far west still under a D1, 
Uh, but, yeah, we're not really looking at any moisture aside from a few showers uh, later on this evening. And we'll start off today with a good bit of sunshine. And it'll be humid again with temperatures making a run for the upper 80s once again. And some places may even approach the 90-degree mark. Later tonight, we do have that chance of showers mostly into the late evening uh, and going in through the first half of the overnight, but then partly cloudy and cooling it off quite a bit in the wake of that. And upper 50s will be our overnight lows tonight. And still plenty of sunshine to last us through next Thursday, really. Uh, Only difference is those temperatures tomorrow and Sunday, mostly into the low to mid-70s. Labor Day does look to be a little bit warmer getting into the upper 70s, and a little bit of humidity starts to work its way in towards midweek. Low 80s on tap for Tuesday, and by Wednesday back into the mid-80s, as well as Thursday, uh, a little bit more humidity in mid-80s on tap. And a little bit of a humid and warm start to the morning here, mostly clear, and a temperature of 69 degrees in Eau Claire, and that dew point right at 62. Got plans for the weekend? Uh, I'm actually heading back to Minnesota this weekend, and then uh, yeah, two was it two weeks from today? Uh, I say I do. So do you? I did well. Congratulations! You getting married back out in Minnesota? Yep. So well, good for you. Thank you. Two weeks from today. Whereabouts in Minnesota are you from? Saint Cloud. Oh, you're from Saint. You're from the Holy Land. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, all those towns out there. What Saint Cloud, Saint Albans? What are they? Saint Joseph, uh, Saint Cloud. Well, there's Saint Paul in Minnesota. There's Saint Michael. There's yeah. There's a lot of saints. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's the whole. I had a friend of mine over in uh, in one of those towns, farm broadcaster Cliff Mitchell, for years and years and years, and he always called it the Holy Land over there. <laughs> <laughs> that's a clever name for it. I'll have to call it that. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's uh, that's wonderful. You have a good weekend over there in Minnesota. Thanks, Bob. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Happy uh, Labor Day. You bet. All right. Mike Dandry over there. What a good guy he is. All right. 23 minutes before 6 o'clock. And again, if you got to hay down, get it up because it's going to be, well, some passing showers later on tonight. And then maybe later on tomorrow or first part of next week, you can go ahead and cut again. Our weather brought to you by Chippewa Valley Bean of Menominee. Chippewa Valley Bean, the world's largest kidney bean processor, based right here in Menominee, Wisconsin, wishes all the great Wisconsin farmers a productive and successful end to our 2022 growing season. With harvest just around the corner, it's the perfect time to be looking ahead to next year's rotation, which could include kidney beans. Kidney beans are competitively priced and highly profitable, making them a great addition to your rotation. Call Ben at 715-664-8342 or visit them at cvbean.com to see if growing kidney beans is right for you. Feeding information to the folks who feed you. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. All right, we've got uh, Brent is in the house. And first time I ever saw him in shorts. Man, that's quite a set of legs you're hauling around there, buddy. <laughs> Absolutely. Time to just start the weekend a little early. Oh, that's good. You guys are always in shorts, so I always feel kind of left out. That's right. Uh, I'll tell you, I was at your field day last week, and I had shorts on. I was the only one. It was uh, it was refreshing, let to say the least, last week over there at the field days. Yeah. Well, we all try to kind of you know dress up and be be a little more presentable and not so casual <laughs> as you showed up. <laughs> In other words, you were more business like than I was. Yeah, I huh? tried to be pretending. Well, that's, that's good. But uh, throw that out the window. You're going to get a chance to enjoy the weekend, huh? Yeah, we might, uh, or we will, be sneaking up north the uh, Gordon, Wisconsin area and do a little ATV. So looking forward to that. Did you clear that with your dad? Did he uh, allow you to get away? He's... Uh, don't don't tell him. 
Don't tell him. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. All right, Brent will be along here in just a few minutes as we get an update on uh, what he's seeing in the field. But before we got that uh, to do, Jill's got more farm news. All right. As harvest nears, shippers are concerned about service issues on the railways and potential worker strikes. Even with the Presidential Emergency Board 250 report being released to the National Carriers Conference Committee and the United Rail Unions Coalition of suggested increases in wages, health insurance adjustments, and other things, opposing sides seem to be far from reaching an agreement. The deadline to sign a contract between the railways, railroads and their workers is September 16th at midnight. If an agreement is not reached, a railway strike is a real possibility at harvest time, and a strike could end up crippling any industry that uses rail to move goods. Boy, I'll tell you, we've got enough supply chain hang-ups. We don't need another one. So hopefully the railroads and the workers will get their acts together, so to speak, and, and get that done. And uh, what else is going on? USDA officials are gearing up for next year's Census of Agriculture. In November, a letter will be sent out to all farms containing a code farmers can use to go online to fill out the census forms. Then in December, three million questionnaires will go out that will be used to form the policy of the new farm bill. So you think you don't have input into farm policy in this and This is your chance to have that input. And there are some things being talked about. A Republican study committee in the House wants to cut things like crop insurance and a few other things that are so, so important they want to Try and find a program for other commodities like the dairy margin program that we have in dairy. That's going to be hard to do because of the structure of the program. But again, the thought is always cut, cut, cut. And so you have to have some input into this farm bill policy. And the only way you can do that is uh, besides talking to your congressmen and your senators. And, you know, how far does that go? (laughs) I hate to be cynical, but I'm a realist. This is one way where you can really explain what's going on. But fill out those questionnaires for the census of agriculture. Calendar, we've got uh, things going on over the weekend as we're about 18 minutes before 6 o'clock. And, Jill, what are some first thing I'll tell you is don't forget September 1st uh, is behind us. So hopefully you got all your uh, nominations in for Outstanding Young Farmer in Wisconsin for that event that will be held in January over in Manitowoc. But also, September 5th, if you're in the registered dairy cattle business and you show at World Dairy Expo or you want to show at World Dairy Expo, September 5th, and that's Labor Day Monday. So, again, September 5th is the deadline. I wonder if they ever look at the calendars when they do this, but uh, September 5th is the deadline. And you can enter later with a an extra fee for a late fee, but uh, I'd suggest you get them in today. If you can, if you want to register your cattle to show at World Dairy Expo coming up later this fall. So, again, uh, that's on September 5th. But before that, Jill, there are other things happening around the area. Well, the Minnesota State Fair will be wrapping up on Labor Day, so head on out there if you need a little bit more fair dose. You're Uh, going over there, you said. My goal is to go over there on Sunday. I remember... When I first moved up here, and I never really had gone, I never really spent much time at the Wisconsin State Fair. We had uh, local fairs, and I went to those, but I went to the Minnesota State Fair. I got invited over there, so I went over, and it's the first time I'd ever been at a state fair. 
<laughs> I couldn't believe what people look like. <laughs> I mean, with tattoos. Well, Brent, you've been over there, haven't you? <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe it. This was back in, like, 1977. I, I was an adult, but evidently hadn't gotten out much. But I couldn't believe the tattoos and the earrings and the nose rings and the hairdos and the hair colors and and... I thought, where are these people the rest of the year that I never see them? you got to get off the midway, Bob. Get away from the rides. <laughs> it was fun. I was walking around like a kid in a candy store. People thought I was staring. But I, and I was. I'd never seen them. I mean, I just not in that kind of quantity anyway. But uh, So if you want to go to the State Fair, it is a lot of fun. I mean, there's, and I'm not criticizing those people. It's just that I'd never been around that many characters before. You know, and, you know a lot of it was self-expression or whatever it is but it was it was fun and i love the state fairs because it is so diverse you go into the animal barns and that's what you're used to you go on the midway and it's uh you know it's it's a different different crowd of people that's what make the state fairs so great i think you should put professional people watcher on your resume oh i love to watch people i do love to watch people what else is going on here before i get in a whole lot of trouble <laughs> Well, if you're looking for some tractor pulls, there's one on Saturday in Hawkins that starts at 1130. And if you're looking for more tractor pulls, you can head up to Willow Springs. It's north of Wausau. There's tractor pulls on Sunday and Monday. On Sunday, it starts at 10 o'clock. And on Sunday, it starts at, or on Monday, it starts at 11. The Ridgeland Community Fair is going starting today and going through Labor Day. They have tractor pulls. They have demo derbies. Google them and find out more. And if you're hungry on Sunday, head up to St. Stanislaus Catholic Church. They have a polka mass at 1030 with chicken and Polish sausage dinner following. That starts serving at 11 o'clock, and it's there until they sell out. Where is St. Stanislaus Church? Lublin, Wisconsin. All right, so beautiful downtown Lublin. Let's go to the markets, Jill. Where we want to go first? Let's head on over to Equity Altoona and hear from Jim Lindsay. Choice beef steers and heifers a dollar twenty to a dollar forty. We had a top of a dollar forty three and a half on Tuesday. Choice dairy cross steers and heifers a dollar eighteen to a dollar forty. High yielding choice and prime Holstein steers a dollar thirty to a dollar forty with a top of a dollar forty four and a half on Tuesday. Choice Holstein steers a dollar sixteen to a dollar twenty nine. Select underfinished heavyweight oversized steers and heifers a dollar fifteen and down. Top 20% of the cold cows sold from 75 to 88 with a top of 90. 60% of the cows sold from 56 to 74. The bottom 20% of the cows sold from 55 and down. Organic market on Tuesday, 80% of the organic cows sold from $1 to $1.24 with a top of $1.29. Bottom 20% of the organic cows sold from 99 and down. Cull bulls sold from 85 to $1.02 with a top of $1.10 on Tuesday. Thin, full horn, and lightweight bulls all discounted. 80% of the 95-pound and up Holstein bull calves sold from $45 to $135 per head. Light and poor quality calves sold from $45 per head and down. Quality beef calves sold from $100 to $255 per head. Hog market on Thursday. Sow sold from $60 to $75. Boar sold from $25 to $27. We will be receiving cattle at the Altoona market on September Monday, September 5th from 4 to 8 p.m. Tuesday, we will be having our first 100th anniversary celebration at the Altoona market. Our next special feeder sale is September 9th. All feeder sales are live on Cattle USA. If you have any questions about how to register as a bidder on Cattle USA or to consign cattle to upcoming sale, feel free to give us a call at 715-835-3104. 
To check out our early consignments, go to the Equity Livestock Market Consignment page and click on the Altoona Market. This has been Jim Lindsay reporting from Equity Livestock in Altoona. Have a great day. And let's get to more markets as we head over to Equity Stratford. Jerry Fitzgerald is with us to wrap up the week. Good morning, Jerry. How are you doing? Well, good morning to you, Bob and Joe. I'm doing very good. It's, uh, well, I'll tell you what, though. Every morning I uh, talk to you guys, it uh, seems like it gets later and later when the sun comes up. So we must be getting into... Oh, we are in September, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah we've only been uh, for two days now. So uh, you'll catch up before too long. Yeah, by, <laughs> by about the 25th or so, yeah, we'll, you'll we'll know what we're doing. Oh, that's so. for sure. Hey, wrap up the week for us in Stratford. I better do that, Bob. Thank you, and a very good morning to everyone. Summary from yesterday, Thursday, and this past week here at Equity Stratford. Uh, we'll start out with the conventional cow market. Uh, much lower market yesterday on Thursday on these cows, these high-yielding, fleshy cows yesterday, selling uh, mostly from 75 to 85. Again, earlier in the week, we did see quite a few cows sell between 86 and 95. Uh, but uh, yesterday, the top cows, 75 to 85. Uh, most of the cows in yesterday's auction selling between 55 and 75. Thinner, plainer cows below. 55. On the organic market this week, different story on those. Very, very uh, strong organic market. Uh, certain good quality organic cows on Tuesday were selling from 120 to 145. Now on the fat cattle, uh, wrap up the fat cattle for this week. Choice grading Holstein steers were mostly from 120 to 130. High yielding choice and prime Holsteins mostly from 130. Uh, extreme top of 139. Select grading cattle 120 and below. On the bull trade, better quality bulls are selling mostly from uh, 90 to 110, topping at 112. Uh, lighter bulls below 90. Now on the calf market, uh, weak market on the calves compared to earlier in the week. Uh, good quality bull calves on yesterday's auction weighing 90 230 pounds, 50 to 130. And uh, we did top earlier in the week on the bull calves at 155. Heifer calves this week mostly 25 to 65. Uh, lighter weight heifer calves 25 and below. On the beef calves, good demand on those beef calves most of the week from 175 to 345. And as we approach the uh, Long weekend, of course, Equity Stratford will uh, be closed on Monday. No auction on Monday. Our next sale will be next Tuesday, and that will be a full marketing day on Tuesday, including our next hay auction, our next dairy cattle auction. Also, every Tuesday, we do sell organic market cattle. So our next feeder cattle sale will be next Wednesday. And, folks, uh, if you got uh, questions or concerns on this, just give us a call or check our website, Equity Co-op. Click on the Stratford page. And certainly want to wish everyone a very safe, enjoyable Labor Day week weekend because, uh, well, I guess traditionally this is sort of the end of summer, but uh, we know there's a lot of stuff to be done and the weather's just been beautiful. So, folks, uh, be careful. Have a nice Labor Day. And uh, like I said yesterday, the buses are out there now. So, and I don't know if you guys uh, saw this or not, but a very tragic accident in Wausau yesterday for a bicycle accident. Uh, just, uh, we don't need that stuff. So, no, be careful out there. There's a Nice weather. A lot of things are still happening out there. Jerry, you have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. You guys, too. And uh, tell Jill she goes to Minnesota. Just, uh, you know, walk around with her Badger shirt on. Just, you know, you know, and just maybe she'll get in a little trouble or something, you know. But <laughs> Yeah, either a Badger or a Packer shirt. Either one, that's for sure. Jerry Fitzgerald over at the Equity Stratford Barn. Wax 104.5 and the Midwest Farm Report. Board of Trade, of course, uh, will close early today and uh, not open till again next Tuesday. And markets were lower yesterday, but overnight gained a little back. 
December corn up four at six sixty two. The oats down three at three seventy three. December wheat up twelve this morning at eight oh seven. November beans up eleven at fourteen oh six. Meal up two fifty a ton at four twenty five ten. Country elevator prices this morning. Wheat and grain, Chippewa Falls location, corn's at six fifty five with soybeans at thirteen thirty seven. Connorsville, corn is at six fifty five with soybeans at thirteen thirty two. Doomers Graham of Holman, their corn at six sixteen with soybeans at fourteen thirty one. And taking a look at the DTN screen at Golden Plump, corn today is six seventy five. Baldwin six oh two, beans at thirteen twenty seven. Duran's corn is five ninety two, beans thirteen seventeen. Mondovi five ninety seven and thirteen twenty seven. Elmwood corn is six oh two, beans thirteen thirty two. At Fall Creek five eighty seven and thirteen oh two. Osseo six oh seven on the corn, thirteen thirty two on the beans. Elk Mount six thirty two and thirteen forty two. Corn at Sparta six thirty seven this morning. Beans thirteen eighty eight. Ellsworth five eighty two and thirteen oh two. Ethanol plants. Corn at Boyceville today is six sixty four. Stanley six sixty seven. New Richmond at six sixty two. Barrel cheese one eighty five. The blocks up one at one seventy three and a half. Butter up three and three quarters at three oh nine and a quarter. September class three down four at nineteen fifty nine. October down thirty seven at nineteen fifty two. November down forty seven at twenty twenty four. December down thirty one at twenty fifty five. January down fourteen at twenty forty six. And it's Friday morning. It's the planting, growing, harvesting season, and that means Brent Wink on a Friday morning. Brought to you by Winfield United, the Ag Division of Land Lakes, covering the crops. Good morning, sir. Good morning, you too. Well, this kind of weather is really helping the corn finish, isn't it? And the beans, this, man. This has just been incredible. It's a, a bunch of field days again this week, and just being out in just about every location I was at, you pull up growing degree units, and we're 100 to 150 growing degree units ahead of like the five year average. But I was actually surprised we're trailing 2021. I mean, last year we had another phenomenal season. So. A lot of heat here toward the end of the season, which really, really helps to uh, speed that crop along. Yeah, now I know in the, in the in the test plots, that's a different world than actually what's going on out in farmers' fields. Yeah, but it, what, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, what do you got? A- absolutely. So I, I, again, some field days, and we were actually on farms. So last Friday after the show, I ran up to Isani, Minnesota. Uh, one of the accounts up there, it's a large plot on a grower's farm uh isani they had just gotten about five or six inches of rain the week before so there's a little washing and things that had happened but uh the soybean plant health uh kind of north of the cities uh, up there just incredible uh, we'll see how we finish a lot of grain fill left to go on but very healthy looking soybeans corn was looking pretty decent but we were starting to find some firing on those lower leaves starting to see some nitrogen firing and a little leaf diseases. But then moving on into this week, I actually here a couple of days ago had the pleasure of going up to Ashland uh, Synergy Co-op. They've got a location up there in Ashland, so nice little three-hour tour for me up through Shell Lake, Hayward, Spooner, all the way up to Ashland. And right around Ashland, some of the growers that I know kind of was snooping around in fields before the field day, and there's some spots in that area. It's actually beautiful farmland. It's a little lighter soil type. They're able to get their crops in early or similar time frame we do here, but they're really getting drought stressed. Uh, talking with one of the larger dairies up there, alfalfa had just kind of gone dormant. I mean, the, the third, they're only able to, to get a third crop and you had weeds kind of out competing the alfalfa. So a little short on the alfalfa crop. 
corn certainly was was having some drought stress and some issues and some nitrogen firing. But uh, then talking with some growers that were uh, a little further to the east and a little further north, and he came kind of around the water and just 20 miles away, and they were seeing ample rain. So really kind of some some different spots experiencing different things. But, uh, again, that day is 85 degrees and beautiful heat and, and a lot of weather to kind of finish. And yesterday we moved on to Cameron, so Synergy Co-op's main location there in Cameron. Uh, this year we spent a lot of time putting in a big showcase plot. Uh, Synergy Co-op has a lot of different uh, fungicide trials and things that they're doing at this plot. So we had a grower day there yesterday, phenomenal turnout, uh, looking at the fields there. And again, we were seeing really strong, nice, beautiful soybean plant health. The, the beans were looking really good. We got a lot of grain fill left to happen there. Again, at that location, we were sitting somewhere around 2,000 growing degree units. So we, we've got some work to do yet to get the crop finished. Uh, again, corn was looking pretty decent. It can be a little lighter soil right around that plant. So we were starting to see some firing and things. So, but but for the most part, you know, we're getting the rain. So hopefully, we're going to see soybeans able to finish strong here and have that moisture that we needed in the month of August and the first few days of September to to really finish that crop off. So, kind of a, you know, it's it's what you want to see here at the end of the season. You want to see moisture and you want to see heat, and we're getting that. So hopefully, we'll have some nice yields to talk about in the areas that didn't have the the drought effect. Yeah, so. that's, uh, it's always some folks have problems, that's for sure. I bet there were a few guys that had shorts on yesterday at that there, field. There were. It was there you pl- go. Yes, yes they, right. you, you would have fit in yesterday, so <laughs> it definitely was the case. So. Thanks, Brad. Have a good Labor Day. You guys as well, and Jill, enjoy the day at the fair. Uh, check out Machinery Hill. It isn't the same as what it was for me as a kid. Now it's kind of all turned into lawnmowers and skid steers, but enjoy the uh, festivities over there. I will, and I'll probably do some people watching. I'll have to report. You report back to Bob. To Bob. There you Absolutely. Go. All right, Brent All right, Wick care. with us on a Friday morning at our Winfield United covering the crops program here on Wax. And again, it will be a, a nice weekend. Saturday and Sunday, sun maybe a little rain, a little scattered showers later on today. But otherwise, pretty nice. Sixty-eight now. It's going to get eighty-eight today. You've been listening to the Midwest Farm Report. Available at WaxRadio.com in its entirety every day. Brought to you in part by Bluff Country Feed and Seed and Montovi. And the Chilson family of brand dealerships, Chippewa Falls and Kadok. On-demand content at WaxRadio.com.